sexier. Yes, we're ready. Yes. Hour number three, Darren, Donnie, and Chase. ESPN 102.5 The Game. On this rainy Wednesday, Tim Hasselbeck, our guy, every Wednesday. Well, most Wednesdays. Tim, what's up? How are you? Good. Good. How are you doing after uh, last week uh, BC's trip to, to Clemson? Um. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that went how the Eagles thought it would go. <laughs> or, 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 let me rephrase that. Maybe it did go exactly how they thought uh, they yeah. thought it would go. Yikes! Yikes! That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, it wasn't. Uh, that wasn't good. Yeah. You know what? Dude, what's crazy is, uh, and it's funny. I just got a an email from uh, <laughs> somebody of mine that uh, went to school or played at the school and. Um, yeah, I'm sure it's in some ways, you know, how, you know, certain, you know, Vandy alums feel like, I, I don't think the expectations, a lot of these places are that you are year after year going to compete for a conference championship. And, you know, there are difficulties with kids getting into school and the type of athlete you can recruit and all of that. But I think what people do want to see is, you know, every so often the fact that like, it's proved that you're trying, that you're putting resources there to try, and it's proving that you're you want to make a run at it, you know. And you know, I look at a school like Northwestern, um, or shoot, even a school like Wake Forest. Look, Wake Forest is six and one right now, and their only loss is a sixty-two fifty-nine game to to Louisville. So, um, yeah, I, I think I think that's what everybody wants to see. It doesn't matter where you went to school, is that. That, that you're trying and, and they're improving and you know they're competitive. We uh, we've been talking about analytics a little bit and it's pretty clear. We just had Jeffrey Simmons on and I'll, I'll ask you about him in just a moment. He was on with with us last segment, but just it was brought up in the press conference because you know unfortunately we we've had to talk a lot about Mike Vrabel's very very questionable decision making as a head coach this season. I mean it's just every week. It has us scratching our heads and and just perplexed at some of the pl- the calls that are being made by the head coach. And he was asked about analytics and and basically said, you know, that they don't really do much of analytics over at the Titans facility. You're around all these numbers crunchers in Bristol, and you played the game. Now you talk about the game, so you're around and you understand that side of the game. So you've had the eyeball test and the feel for a game as a player, and now you're getting it on the other side. What What is the right balance in your mind? Well, I, mean, I don't think there's any doubt that the right balance is to have, um, you know, I'm going to call it an analytics department. I, the right balance is to have somebody on your staff that, um, you know, is is running the numbers on – you know, certain game situations so that you can better make a decision on what you should do. Um, That's just, there's information out there that is different than what, you know, has typically been out there in the past. And it doesn't mean that, you know, you can't, you have to abandon your feel for the game, um, you know, or the environment that you're in or, or any of that stuff. But I think what it does do is at least, you know, you want to know that you have the options and that you have the information to make the decisions. Now, you know, I, I don't know that, 
you know, analytics necessarily would, would always play a huge role in, you know, calling or not calling a fake field goal, you know, in a certain situation. Um, you know, it may help you a little bit with the situation in a game and the, the probability of, uh, you know, a team coming back and winning if you kick the field goal versus if you don't kick the field goal. But, um, you know, you also have to factor in your own kicker, what you've been through, you know, throughout the season. So I think there's elements of that as well. But I can just tell you, based on my experience, um, just even in college football this year, pretty much every school that I have gone to have somebody on their team that was, I'll just give you North Carolina State, for example. They have a former math major from the Naval Academy on their staff as basically, you know, an assistant to the head coach to help him make decisions. Hmm. So that's at the college level. Hmm. Wow. At NC State. Uh, I would imagine they're not alone. Interesting. Oh, there's no shot that they are alone. And um, and then from an NFL's perspective, yeah, I mean, there's there's all kinds of teams that are changing the way they do, you know, certain things. And, look, I think in many ways it's smart. I mean, it's going to sound crazy, but you know, the Giants have done this a little bit. Uh, you know, Pat Shermer has been criticized for, you know, a late-game decision, and he'll say – well, it's analytics. That's what the math says there. You know, and then you have a bunch of writers, you know, sitting in the press conference room after the game. They're like, oh, well, I mean, I, you know, I guess if he says the <laughs> analytics say so, I, I guess it's true. I guess it's right. Um, you know, so there's, you know, I, I think it, it also kind of allows coaches to, you know, kind of hide behind a decision a little bit as well, um, which I, I think there's an element to that. Yeah, I, I've said, and I, I really said it pretty loudly on Monday. Like, it, to me, if Mike Rabel is going to, if this is going to continue, and it's very clear he is, it's John Robinson, the general manager's handpicked guy to take him to the next level. He's not going anywhere, but he, he desperately needs someone that can at least talk him through this stuff. It doesn't mean he has to listen to everything, but the other part is what we were just discussing, Tim, when finding out they really don't do much of that. Over the Titans facility, yeah. I guess my biggest question is, I didn't even know really anybody does it. Do, I mean, it's it, you know we never thought it would be used in hockey. We never thought it would be used in basketball. I mean, there was just it was kind of started off as money ball, and oh, you know, oh, it caught on a little bit in baseball, and so that's where you thought the road ended. But as we just laid out, it's basically if you're doing sports, it's a part of it now. I mean, I I just I can't even imagine how, especially at the NFL level, you don't have somebody. It doesn't have to be a huge involved. department. Right, right, yeah. that they're yeah, not doing that. money involved to not have somebody, you know, I just used the example of the, the, the math major from the Naval Academy. There's too much money involved not to have that person bring to the coach's attention, you know, that in this scenario – Listen, yeah, kicking the extra point seems great, and that's the natural way to do it. But if you go for two and inf- and get it, and then, in fact, actually get the football back, now your chances of winning, you know, go up 40%. Like, that's a pretty big deal. And it's actually a scenario, as I, you know, kind of blow through it. But, that, but like, that's a scenario that's new that exists in the NFL. And 
we've seen people doing, I'm trying to remember who it was. It might've been John Harbaugh, um, you know, that did something similar to that. And yeah, so I, I think you have to adjust. I mean, it's just, I think you have to do that. Look, the New England Patriots, so which is kind of interesting, you know, about the Titan situation, if you think about, you know, the roots of so many guys that are here, um, you know, they've had Ernie Adams on their staff for as long as I can remember, and he's essentially an assistant to Bill Belichick, and, you know, it's no secret that he's helpful to him on, you know, many of these game situations, and if you think about it, you know, Bill Belichick has been better than anybody over the last, shoot, I mean, you know, 15 years at all this stuff. Talking to Tim Hasselbeck from ESPN, our weekly chat about the NFL. So, Tim, we were discussing earlier just how great Christian McCaffrey is. It's easy for us to see it. Everybody drafts him high in the fantasy league. He puts the numbers up. But as you as you look at him and you've got the Titans facing him, how do you try to contain a guy like that who is so good at running but also catching? Yeah, I think the issue with him is, you know, and a lot of people have talked about, you know, when he came out of school, people didn't really realize that he was, you know, between the tackles runner. But that's really what they do at Stanford. They have a fullback, they run the power, they run power, they, that's what they do. And so he's very good at that. And I think that he's gotten a lot stronger, you know, probably from last year to this year. So you have that element of it. And then, you know, in the passing game, he, you know, I saw somebody, uh, you know, talking about him the other day. And they said, you know, I, I feel like if he was exclusively a slot receiver, he would be, you know, I mean, he would, he would be one of the, you know, five best slot receivers in the NFL. And then, you know, I got thinking about him, like, you know, that actually might be true. Look, whatever he had, a hundred and something catches a year ago and he was playing running back. So, you know, I think the tricky thing for him is when you're defending him, is when he's in the game, you have to treat him like a tailback that could run the ball right down your throat. But if they decide to, you know, move him around and isolate him, much like, you know, the the Monday, uh, I guess it would have been the Sunday night game, uh, you know, the Packers versus the Chiefs. You know, Aaron Jones looks like a guy that's really developing into a good receiver. And then you think about what the Packers did with him against the Chiefs, you know, they ran a slant and go on a middle linebacker. And then on a couple third downs, you know, they isolated him in the passing game. And so, you know, I, I just think that if he's going to break the formation, it either has to dictate that you're going to end up playing zone coverage or um, you have to cover him with somebody other than a linebacker. I just I think he's too good to, to handle him just like a regular running back that comes out of the backfield. How did you evaluate Kyle Allen at this point? Now that he's got a few games on on film, they they had the step back. They got destroyed, obviously, by the 49ers, and that's a whole other story is just how good are these 49ers. But everything was going along pretty smoothly with Allen, and then finally a stumble. Yeah, and it was a stumble, and I think there were a couple, you know, um, plays that weren't great, but, you know, it's going to sound crazy. I didn't think he played that poorly. You know, I think there were a couple – you know, kind of unfortunate things that happened to him. Um, you know, you think about the Bosa interception. There's another one he kind of leaves just barely inside. And um, so I agree with you that it was, you know, a bit of a setback in terms of a step back in terms of how he had been playing. But um, how would I evaluate him? I think he's played like a starter. And I think from where I sit, 
I think the decision, I mean, unless he just falls apart in the second half of the season, I mean, I, I feel like I, w- I'm, I would make the move if I was the Carolina Panthers. He would be my starting quarterback. I, I get it, Cam's getting closer and all of that. But, you know, I've, I've basically been on record as saying this before. I think it's essentially the Romo-Dak Prescott scenario. You have a starter that everybody thinks can be really good, but he's making a lot of money. And then you have a backup that's that's playing at a winning level that is basically a free quarterback. Kyle Allen is a free quarterback. And much like Dak Prescott, Kyle Allen, when you watch him, he's really physically talented. I mean, he can make every throw you need him to make. He shows good poise. And, you know, how good can he be? I'm not sure yet, but I think he's good enough to play winning football. And for a guy that's making league minimum, you can do a lot with your football team if that's the case. More with Tim Hasselback on the other side of Darren Donick and Chase, ESPN 102.5 The Game. Tim Hasselback joining us here on Darren Donick and Chase, segment two. And Tim, that was Darren that hung up on you. Uh, I would imagine, though, that you suspected that. I mean, I, I knew it was, first off, one, I think you have more class than that, Willie. And two, <laughs> Chase would never do something. He would never, never do something nope. like that. Process of elimination um yeah i figured he was probably like you know what it was he's probably like distracted searching his mentions or something like that you know what i mean <laughs> and then, boom that happens you're not far off <laughs> i laugh name searching you're not, you're not far off doing research for <laughs> tidal wave yeah <laughs> yeah he's like messing around on tiktok or something you know and he's doing that Oh, yeah. Tim Hasselbrecht's, uh his coverage on our show is brought to you by Wyatt Johnson Ford each week. So, Tim, let's go to the other side. You've given us your take on Kyle Allen. Now you've seen two weeks of Ryan Tannehill, and this, this is my observation, and I'll bounce it off you. You take it where you want to go, but it looks like he has developed a very good rapport with the secondary receivers, guys like Tajay Sharp, who's caught a couple of touchdown passes now, Jonu Smith, who's come off the bench you know, to replace Delaney Walker and has done really well. Anthony Ferkster has made some key catches, and he still is doing his best to get the other guys involved. His distribution, his recognition of where the matchups are look good, and then it also looks like he's benefited by being the backup in camp and developing the chemistry with some of these guys. Yeah, I it's a good observation, and it definitely can happen, and you see it happen a decent amount. Um, you know, when somebody like him, you know, comes in and gets – and opportunity is, you know, a lot of times when you are, you know, just kind of give you an example of how it works. The way it typically works is the starter will take all of, or at least like 80 to 90% of the reps in any given week in practice. And so the backup quarterback will get very few reps running your stuff, but then will probably take all of, or at least 90% of, the scout team reps. Well, you know, because you only have, you know, so many guys on a roster, you know, you have a lot of second string guys, you know, um, servicing the defense. And so you get a chance to, you know, take some chances with the football and you get a chance to, uh, you know, work with guys and, you know, get a sense for their body language and get a sense for, you know, when, you know, when they get their head around, you know, running a certain route. So it can be a bit of an advantage. But I also think part of what's happened with, with Ryan is that he's done a better job uh, 
of getting through things, you know? And so, um, you know, I think one of the big things, you know, when you're playing in the NFL is you can get a lot of information pre-snap and the more information you get pre-snap, usually the better decision you can end up making post-snap, but you still are forced to make decisions after the ball is snapped. And I think Ryan and, you know, the last couple of weeks has just done a better job of that, you know, over this, you know, small sample size than Marcus was doing of it. And I think it's part of the reason that we've seen the ball, you know, get spread around a little bit more. As he plays more and there's more tendencies that start coming out, would you be worried if you're a Titans fan that, okay, teams are starting, are going to start getting a feel for how they're doing things with Tannehill? Um, you know, not necessarily from the standpoint of, um, you know, I don't think that like he has a like like he'll have a tendency. I, I think more it's just about defending the offense. And hey, look when when they do this, you know, with their running backs, you know, that then they're typically trying to to set this up. Or you know, when they have this personnel group in the you know on the field, and Corey Davis comes inside. You know, these are the route combinations that they've been, you know, they've typically run out of that. I mean, I, I think that's more, um, you know, scouting a team's offense of scheme rather than the personnel. And you know, I think that's the, the bigger thing for, for Ryan. And I don't, you know, I, I don't know this to be the case for sure, but, but I've got a pretty good sense that, that it is. I think the environment around this team is probably a better fit personality wise for Ryan than many of the situations that he was in in Miami. And so to me, he looks like a guy that's comfortable. I, I think that he was really kind of chomping at the bit to have this opportunity to feel like the starter again. And he seems comfortable with this group of guys. Seems like a good fit with them. And I think there's a pretty good shot that, you know, you could end up seeing him play his best football with this group. Tim, the uh, we know the Miami Dolphins are are not very good, but the Cincinnati Bengals seem to be right there with them. Uh, Ofer on the season and AJ Green, you have him saying he wants a long term deal or to let him go, and then they have benched Andy Dalton. What do you make of that move, and what do you think is next for Dalton? Well, I think it's the right decision because I don't believe that Andy Dalton is going to be their quarterback of the future going forward under Zach Taylor, and so. You know, they probably, before they figure out what they need to do at quarterback, you know, in this coming draft, need to figure out what they have in Ryan Finley. You know, Ryan Finley was a guy that some people, you know, early on kind of, some people thought that he, he was a first-round caliber quarterback. I think Todd McShay at one point, you know, had him kind of as a potential first-round draft pick. Um I saw him play a few games in college. He's a very good player. He's a very good decision maker. He's a good passer. Um, and I think there's a chance that, that he can come in and play really well. I, I, I do. I think he, he has a chance to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. But if he doesn't, if he doesn't come in and kind of, you know, uh, take advantage of the opportunity in the second half of the season, then they need to draft a quarterback. As for what that means for, for Andy Dalton, I think when you look at the market of guys that are going to be out there, and if you think about, Teddy Bridgewater is going to be available. You think, you know, shoot, you know, Tannehill, Mariota, Jameis Winston, those guys could all end up being available. You know, who knows what happens with Joe Flacco. You know, there's, you know, Eli Manning, is he done playing or does he, does he want to continue to play? 
there are so many quarterbacks that are going to end up, you know, being on the move that, you know, I don't know that anybody's going to be handing Andy Dalton a starting spot anywhere. And I think he'll be hard pressed to find an opportunity where he's truly competing for a starting quarterback situation. Um, but I could see him in a situation where he goes somewhere where there's a good, um, you know, there's a good quarterback in front of him, and, and he ends up being the backup. Like if Teddy Broad, if Teddy Bridgewater leaves, if I were Andy Dalton, I, I couldn't get to New Orleans fast enough because I think Andy Dalton would play well in that system. Tim, uh, the, the Sunday night matchup, the Ravens and the undefeated Patriots. This week, Lamar Jackson, I mean, they call him the video game. That essentially is what he is. Do you think that what he's been able to do this season is going to be able to work against the New England defense, or is this where we're going to see some flaws in his game? Um, I think New England will defend him well. This is a good question. and See, this is why, this is why you're the best, Chase, because you're <laughs> looking ahead to something like this. Like this, to me, I think – is one of the the most interesting kind of storylines that that's come up this season. He you called him video game. I mean, he's been amazing. People have had a ridiculously hard time dealing with him, and that was kind of the story for a lot of last season. And then they get into the postseason, and the Chargers, you know, all of a sudden play you know a, a big dime package um, in terms of the secondary players that they have on the field, and, and so. You know, they've got safeties playing linebacker, and they're able to kind of combat his speed with theirs, and, and they shut that offense down. You know, we've been raving about this New England defense. I think that Belichick will have a plan for it. I think that they'll do a good job against Lamar Jackson, but, but I also, you know, did not expect them to be the, – the Ravens to be able to run the ball with him and with some of their other runners uh, the, way have the, the way they have this year. So, um I think it's probably the best storyline of this upcoming week, and I think one of the biggest storylines of the season. Well, in New England, like I said, undefeated. And I, I don't think they're perfect by any means. I think they definitely have has some flaws, but I also look at their schedule and don't really see a loss the way that they have been playing, especially you know how Tom Brady is able to do his thing. Did I see this correctly? That I, I think I saw it somewhere, that if the Patriots did not score an offensive touchdown, they would be like, Four two and two or something like that. Oh like, wow! Like, <laughs> that's something. You know? I mean, yeah, they've just been—they've been really good. I think they have good personnel. The, you know, the Patriots typically—and I don't know if people realize this—but you know, everyone looks at Bill Belichick and like, oh, he's this defensive genius. Really, the the, the Patriots, you know, generally speaking, over time, have not been super aggressive. They have. You know they they'll play coverage they'll but and they won't do too much they're not complex they will just do few things really really well they make you earn it what's unique about um, they're kind of they've been bend don't break basically what's unique about what they're doing now is they're really aggressive they're blitzing a lot they're playing a ton of man coverage they're playing a lot of man coverage without any help um, and it's in some ways very unique and I think also a credit to, you know, how Belichick is willing to kind of change depending on the personnel that he has. Do you think fourth and 11 and getting a delay of game to save a timeout and then going forward on fourth and 16 will catch on around the league? 
You know, it's it's a brilliant strategy, and you know, not one that used often. Um, what would analytics, or, or maybe ever? Is that the analytics department? Yeah, maybe that's that one's never I, been used I, before. I think that you're struggling with stuff with you know <laughs> decisions here by the Titans. Think about that one. Think about that one. Well, I, mean, I, I honestly did think of you because uh, you know we've talked to you a lot about Freddie Kitchens, and you've been on the record, and you you have you've been. Uh, Less than impressed with him over the years, and it certainly was looks I like ahead it's of the curve on that one. Oh, was I mean, I clearly, it's it's going to play out that way. I mean, there's no way you I can have all this hype yeah. and that talent, and they're going to. I mean, they're going to fall on their face. It's going to be a you know, an well, I don't know what is it seven and nine probably season at best, and he's probably going to lose his job over it because it looks like he's in way over his head. I think the number like two qualities I think you have to have as a head coach. I, I just when I think about guys that have been successful, I think you have to be ridiculously organized. Like I, I've been, you know, I've never been to Andy Reid's house, but I will guarantee you that like his stuff is organized. Like when he needs a pencil, he knows exactly where to find it. You know, <laughs> um, so I think you need to be organized. And then I think the other aspect of it is is you have to be. The details have to matter to you. You have to be on the details. You can have other coaches that, you know, do other things and, you know, are motivators and are, and maybe you can be a motivator. But I think, but you have to, you have to care about details. Because if you don't, as a head coach, care about details, then nobody else will. And you think about that team right now. I mean, they're far and away the worst in the NFL in terms of penalties. Penalties, by far. Yeah, Most penalized and, and, team by a mile. Yeah, and so it's like, honestly, I feel like you could have seen this coming from a mile away. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they make a move either. I, I By the way, I did. I was sitting in Cleveland watching that first game of the season when they well, they had three called back or declined, so what they had, they would have had 21 penalties in that game against the Titans if they didn't have, if they counted the ones that weren't declined by the Titans. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it started from week one and it hasn't changed. Mm-mm. I mean, that, that's honestly that—that's just what took place against the Patriots. That's just buffoonery. I mean, I, I don't even know at what at any level, like what was even the mindset of let's take a delay of game and go fourth and sixteen to save a, preserve you're down, a timeout. You're down three scores, but you're down three scores, just over six minutes left. Right. Look, I'm not trying to like pile on you know French kitchens on this thing, but, but but the reality is, is like if you have a team. You can pay a head coach millions of dollars to coach a team, and you feel like you've got good talent. You know, there's been this this effort to to get these young guys, first time head coaches, offensive backgrounds, and, and all that stuff. And you know, th- there's something to experience, and so it would not surprise me for one of these next cycles going around for for some guys that have head coaching experience to end up back in the mix. Last thing, we were having fun. Uh, last hour with Roman Yossi's $74 million deal that he signed yesterday. So I'll ask you, if you would have signed a $74 million deal when you were a player, what would you? What would be your big purchase, your big thing you would have done? Oh, what would I have done? Guaranteed, by the way, guaranteed. Guaranteed contract. Um, I'm not sure I would have – I'm not sure I like, would do anything different. Like, I'm not one of those guys, like uh, – I want to go buy like some fancy car or anything like that. I don't know. So you would not have bought uh, Clinton Portis's aquarium that you were telling us I about. Not have done. Yeah, see, I've never been. 
Maybe it should have been too turned off by those things. I don't think I'd have done that. What would uh, would done? You, let's see. Uh, would you have done what Vince Young did? Don't rent a private jet. Just rent Southwest as a private jet and have all your friends on a Southwest jet. You heard that story, right? I didn't hear that story, but yeah. But I don't think that his, his decision. I'm not sure what I'd have done. I think I maybe would have called Chase and said, "If we want to go get some dinner, get no, some done. what." Go get some dinner, you know. Go get yeah. some dinner, huh? Mm-hmm. So you need a seventy-four million dollar contract to do that? I'm down. No, but I'm just saying, like, I would just do what I would want to do, which yeah. is like, I'd be like, "Hey, where's Chase? Let me go, let me go grab some dinner." Yeah. Okay. You know what? He probably would have been with me to just celebrate the signing of it. Sure. So yeah. We didn't have to call him. Yeah, I'd be gone. right there. Yeah, I'd be right there. <laughs> this picture is so blurry that you paint every week. It's like an old. It's like a TV I watched in the '80s. Just fuzzy. Well, what I would have done, what I would have done, actually, now I'm thinking about it. I'd have called Darren. Darren would have hung up on me, and I'd be like, all right, he's out. I'm not, <laughs> not going to hug him up. <laughs> actually, I would have called you and asked you to build an indoor facility for the baseball team. For the spring <laughs> for, for, his, for his baseball yeah. team. Well, yeah, you know a what? favor, hey, a favor. Now that you say that, that just actually brought you – know, you know what I'd do? Is, uh, I'd I, I, – what I would do is like uniforms, and I'd, I'd probably do something at my high school. I'd okay, do something like that's that. cool. All right, that's cool. That's what I would do. Better answer. It took us a while to get there. But I good like answer. It. Yeah, yeah. I need a little coaching. <laughs> good to talk to you as always. Have a good rest of your week. We'll do it next week. Cool. See you guys. See this you is where I hang up on you. Bye. Tim Asselback, <laughs> ESPN. We'll come back more of Darren Donick and Chase on the other side. ESPN 1025, the game. Chris Mason coming up at 1 o'clock. Roman Yossi at one thirty. So a loaded hockey hour coming up, fourth and final hour. Speaking of that, Tape Reds friends, Smashville Live tonight. Boom Boz Craft Pizza and Tap House. Over in Willie's Neck of the Woods, East Nashville. 1003. 1003 Russell Street. That's from 7 until 8 o'clock. This week's guest, Ryan Johansson and Colton Sissons. Roommates. Shout out to the East Side. We got some fun people coming over there. I had a good, Go to the uh, show. I had a good conversation Go with the show. Colton Sisson yesterday. We played pregame. He is off to a really, really good start. Joe Hansen, of course, we talked about Roman Yossi walking to the press conference. Everybody lined up cheering. He's giving high fives, and Ryan Johansson jumps out of the crowd. <laughs> Being Ryan Johansson. Ryan Johansson and Colton Sisson. So that is going to be a fun night. Limited number of player autographs. And pictures will be available, so make sure you get there early. Fans can register to win two tickets to an upcoming Predators home game as well. Remember, Smashville Live, brought to you by New Amsterdam Vodka, Spring Hill Heating and Cooling, and Red Spirits and Wine. Who's on the, uh, I know how and who? Braden. Braden, okay. You did it last week. I did. I'm going to go tonight, though. Braden is an East Sider, so it's yep. a hop, skip, and a jump from his residence. Yeah. So Braden will have the. It's a nice place. I've been there I many say, times. You, I know you've it's been a very there. nice place. Very spacious. Got all the TVs. So if Good. you want to keep an eye on the World Series and the other hockey games, whatever else is on, they'll have it for you. For sure. Yeah. Well, game seven. I'm looking forward to actually watching it and being able to pay attention. Now the question is: Will it be a good game? I think it will. I think it will. I'm confident. We'll have controversy. That's well, what a memorable game has. Mm-hmm. Maybe a little snippet of controversy. 
Overall, would we say it's been a good World Series? Yeah, I've I been entertained. So. By I think it. so too. I mean, it goes seven. You got You got to say. Just... Some of the games by the end of the game have been a little lopsided. Well, one of them, one or two of them have been very Excellent. lopsided, yeah. but decisive wins. So I think we're kind of due to have that really that's tight honestly, game. That's kind of why I asked because yeah. they really have. I mean, they've been well, tight. They, they've been for a bit, but then broken when the team open late. takes over, they kind of just take over and run away with it. right. Like in the Astros late inning, so. in Washington, the worst is a runaway in the first or second inning. Right, there hadn't been too many of those, like like the Braves and. Uh, what you, you have to do? I didn't. I I wasn't. What? I didn't. What ten to ten to nothing after one. Or the Cardinals? Uh, how'd, your, how'd your team do in the playoffs? Thirteen nothing after two. Well, the Cardinals had the tables turned on them by the Nats and at lat, you know, at home. But they get seven in the first. Yep, you're yep. down three games to none. Seven nothing after one. Game yep. over. Have fun in those last eight innings. <laughs> if you're yep. a fan. Yep. And then I got texts from people. Well, at least your team made the playoffs. Like, no, don't do that. That doesn't help. <laughs> that helps nothing. Someday right. it will. Why, Someday. Then why did you just throw that in my face? That's exactly what you just did. Yeah, you did. You, you, you can't exactly. You can't have it both ways. Like, right? You just literally, as you've done on the show, played both sides of the fence. <laughs> I did. Golly, you're turning into a fence jumper, man. Not really. You get you sponsored by Waffle House. <laughs> I take that. <laughs> we all would. Scattered, especially smothered, on, covered, especially baby. on Fridays. Yeah, be right? down. That's Look our day up. to. That's our day to buy lunch. Sell staff, get on that. There we go. This is a huge game, by the way, on Sunday. How do we think this is going to play out? Now, I wonder why. How did all that stuff happen yesterday with Mariota? Like, how did that know. all take? I mean, it had legs. I, I don't. I don't know how, but how did it have legs? I don't know. There was this this Twitter account that put it out there that he could be placed on IR, and they had worked out quarterbacks. And then, of course, it's deadline day, so you see. All right, they're working out quarterbacks. Does that mean they're close to a trade? And then the IR stuff. And and I never, you know, I was texting people that I know, like, hey, is this, what is this? And they're like, I, I haven't heard anything. I have no idea where this is even coming from. Well, John Glennon, who we had on earlier in the show, caught up with Marcus Mariota and asked him, were you aware of yesterday's internet rumor that you were headed to IR? And if so, what what did you make of it? And Marcus said, I'm here. I'm here to do my job and help my team however I can. John Glennon follows up with, well, are you healthy? Marcus says, yeah, I feel good. And then John says, well, was there ever a situation where you thought you might be headed to IR? And Marcus says, I wouldn't say that. I take it one day at a time and focus on what I can do and what I can control. What? I don't. That's, that's, that's a weird answer. Just there. answer the question. Oh, would, that means that there's something going uh, on. That, that's uh, why I'm. At. Yeah. Well, why? Why would you say I wouldn't say that? I take it one no, day at I, a time. I feel and like I focus when I hear on him, what I can it's do, more like I would and say what that. I can control. What does that mean? Like, no. Look, if you'd be like, uh, no, I, I have no idea where that came from. No, of course not. Right. No, I don't. I don't get that. But that, that, that answer I, screams, I, would, I don't really want to answer I say straight. that. I'm, I'm kind of dancing around some stuff. 
unless that was just poorly answered. I don't. Well, that he, is such that a is strange... a way he responds to some questions. I wouldn't say that. Right. So I'm wondering. Don't if put he's... words on. Don't. I wouldn't say that. But it's still not. It's a yes or no. Because now question. he's making a story that isn't there. It, or, to me, I, mean, I, I would is, say but... uh, no. I have no idea where they came from. Yeah, no, no, I'm good. I'm fine. I'm ready to go whenever they need me. Right? Isn't that right. how you answer it? Right. Rather than I take it one day at a time, I wouldn't say that. What? I don't get that. That's a weird way to handle it because now you're just making it a bigger deal than it probably is. And, and really, if you think about John's John Glennon's line of questioning, he really never once emphatically says anything. Were you aware of yesterday's internet rumor that you were headed to IR? And if so, what do you make of it? John Glennon to Marcus Mariota. I'm here. I'm here to do my job and help my team however I can. Well, yeah, I'm talking to you. Of course, you're here. Reporter talking to player. Yes, we we had, I'm sure like John Glennon figured out that you're here. I know it's Halloween, All but he had we knew was I was not aware I, of it. I'm here doing my job. We, yes, you're once you're here. You're about to go to practice. Yes. No, the answer is I was not aware of it. That's all you have to say. Right. The I, I have no done. or I have no idea what you're talking about. No clue what you're talking about. You same, can say same that. answer. That's the same, same right. answer. It's the same answer. I, I have no idea what you're talking so about. So the, the his answer prompted the follow up by John. Are you healthy? Yeah, I feel good. Was there ever a situation where you thought you might be headed to IR? Marcus Mariota. I wouldn't say that. I take it one day at a time and focus on right. what I can do and what I can control. Huh? Question mark? Yeah, that I, that makes huh? no sense. So it sounds to me like he's healthy enough to play, but he's dealing with something. That's how I interpret that, mm-hmm. but I'm all, I'm left to guess. I don't know what to the, interpret. I, I, I don't know well, what if, to make of that. If you had to guess, isn't that what you would guess? If he was do we perfectly worry? healthy, then he would say, I was not aware of that. Do we worry and about the yes, nerve thing? I'm 100%. Well. I mean, is it, do well, we think the well, nerve thing just how ma- magically it went never, away? How is it ne- no. But how has it never been brought up? That that's why I'm bringing it up it's now. It's never been brought up this season. Well, I I thought of that only because that would be something that perhaps as he sits here today, he's capable of backing up, he's capable of playing if needed. But maybe behind the scenes there was a thought of, you know, for me to get this fixed or something, we could shut it down right now. I maybe that's what they were weighing. Because he was obviously he played the games right. He was he went from start to finish. Right now, went, if you're, you know, look, not he did not come out of a game due on. to injury. If you're asking but me you, now, the that question I've heard is, this, do you think? Do right. I think something was going on in Denver after listening to that exchange? Yeah, I would hope for his sake, because of how poorly he looked, for his sake, that there was something going on that we didn't know about. Well, that's a possibility, but it's also possible that maybe all year he didn't feel quite right but he wasn't willing to give up the job. He was going to try to battle and compete and it, and win games. If it comes out that well, that's I was the case, say, I, that is... Aren't, well, first of all, isn't... I mean, the franchise has to say we didn't know anything about it because they have to disclose this stuff. I mean, somebody's... What if they did? If something was going on, if somebody's been keeping a secret, that's no good. Well, they've been, they were keeping secrets last year before the... The game and after the game, the the last game against the Colts in terms of the nerve, I, I'm just I'm just guessing. I, I have no idea one way or the other. But if Again, you're Marcus that's Mariota, why you don't answer it that way. Well, he may not want to discuss it, 
at this time. But he right? could have. He could have squashed it. Of like no, okay. there, I, but there's the, no truth to that. Yeah, but sounded, what if he can't squash right, it? That's I'm going to give point. you. A, I'm giving you a hypothetical. I'm from the outside, right? I'm not covering practice. I'm not asking anybody about it. But is it plausible that the team is sitting there going, "Okay, Marcus, you know, we're still in the hunt. Ryan Tannehill is our starter right now. But if he goes down, we need you to play." And maybe, but maybe there was the discussion from Marcus Mariota's camp. Well, now that I'm not the starter. I'd like to get X injury fixed, and if I shut it down, that gives me more of a chance to be healthy on the free agent market, shopping my services around as 100% Marcus Mariota and not dealing with whatever issue might be out there. Whether he got it in the, in the Denver game, before the Denver game, or something goes back to last year, whether it's the nerve or not, that's plausible, right? That there could have yeah. been that discussion, and therefore rumor. I, I just I, I don't know that, but I'm just guessing. Back to wrap up the third hour next. C-Mace coming up at one o'clock. Which what do you got there, Chaser? Yeah, uh, some some playoff predictions that NFL.com has put together for the midseason. Uh, Twenty six panelists are on this and gave their they went and picked the division winners and gave reasons why and and all of that. One thing that was interesting is. The AFC East, they all picked the Patriots, so no surprise there. But the AFC South, the Titans division, 16 votes for... Uh, this is, so this is current. Yep. This this is, is, so this is the news the mid, of J.J. Yeah, mid, Watt. This is midseason. Yep. Um, Came out today. How about, I want to go a little bit, uh, Colts. 16 votes for the Colts, Willie, what do you say? Agree. You are correct. Nine votes. Texans. Agree. Texans. One vote. Jacksonville. Titans. Jags. Mm. No votes for the Titans. Wow. I'll tell you what, uh, and I will, let me, wow. let me give you a different perspective, more of the analytics perspective and not an opinion based, but I'm sure some of these people are basing it on some of the numbers. The probability based on the football outsiders data has the odds of making the playoffs in the AFC South, Indianapolis 67%, Houston 61%, Jacksonville 46% at 4 and 4. The Titans also at 4 and 4 at 12.6%. Wow. Based on the at data. 4 and 4. They have the same record as the Jaguars, 12%. Jaguars have a head-to-head win over them, but percentage chance of making the playoffs Jacksonville has a 45.7% chance. Titans, 12.6. Wow. So, to further that up, they also predicted the wild cards. AFC wild card one would be, hold on. So, they, do they have the Ravens and the Chiefs winning the other two divisions, I'm assuming? Uh, division winner here, yeah, I can give you that. Division winners, Ravens. so I said New England. Ravens got 24 yeah. votes. Cleveland, two votes, for some reason. Uh, the West, the Chiefs got 25 votes, and one guy voted for the Raiders. Okay. So the wild card. So there's two that's coming out of the South. I mean, I mean one one wild card is definitely coming out of the South for sure, mm-hmm. no doubt. Um, the other one is wide open. I guess they probably lean toward the Bills. Maybe the Buffalo Bills received top votes for both wild card spots because they you vote on okay, are you that is one going to finish over the other? So everybody feels like the Bills are getting in. Tied for second 
in AFC Wild Card One, two teams tied for second, and they are out of the same division. The Texans and Colts. Then there is a four-way tie uh, for fourth. Ravens getting one vote, Jags, Chiefs, and the only vote for the Tennessee Titans of any playoff contention is Brian Baldinger, tied for huh. fourth for that wild card spot. Interesting. So let's contrast that with the uh, with the analytics, football outsiders. Would you be surprised to know that with the Titans at 12.6%, of making the playoffs, so that would include wild card or sneaking up and winning the division. They're only a game and a game yeah. and a half out of the division. Uh, Cleveland is at twenty three percent, with the Titans at twelve and a half percent. Cleveland is at twenty three percent probability of making the playoffs based on the data. I don't know where that's coming from, but remember, this is unbiased. This is not. This is just how the numbers fall today. So. Whether, well, I mean, strength of schedule is, is, in, is involved it's, in that. There's no doubt. Of it. No doubt about it. I mean, it. The, the Titans still have the Chiefs and the Saints and the Texans twice. I mean, their schedule, their their path is still it's tough. Is incredibly difficult. I'm sure the Browns. I haven't looked at it, but I'm I, I'm sure they got some Bengals in there. They got some probably weaker opponents. Buffalo is only at 52 percent to make the playoffs, despite their record at, at five and two, and the fact that they still. I have another game against the Jets and the Dolphins. Which only helps. It only helps. Right, they played each of them once, correct? Yeah. Yeah, they they lost to the Jets. It's one of their losses. Remember the first? No, 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 no. no, 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 no they no, were up 16 no, nothing no. and lost, what, 17-16, right? Didn't they gag the first game of the season away? Yeah, the Jets were up, I think, 16 nothing and lost 17-16. No, 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 Buffalo has beaten the Jets and the Dolphins, haven't they? That's what I said. I think the yeah. Jets were up 16-0 yeah, yeah. week one, yeah. and they lost. By the way, how big of a mess are they? Oh. The Jets? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Becoming, oh, is it, becoming I, a bigger mess by the week. Jamal Adams. How, how good is it that Le'Veon Bell got out of Pittsburgh, right? I mean, that's really worked out well. Yeah. He won that one. Does anybody ever see he won that battle. hear from Le'Veon Bell anymore? No, it was rumored yesterday they were trying to trade him. Good thing he got out of Pittsburgh. You know, Basically, you know everyone except Sam Darnold was on the block yesterday. You know what tells me what, what these numbers tell me though the combination of the opinions of the experts, coupled by the numbers of football outsiders, is I can absolutely realistically see the Titans going five and three in the second half and improving to get to nine and seven. But they are going to be kicking themselves not being able to pull off one of those games earlier against Buffalo against the Colts, two teams that look like they're going to be in this mix, right? The Buffalo game and the Colts game in Nashville could come – just if they get one of those two, the whole – those numbers change a lot. But they didn't. they got to move on. And you could argue that they were fortunate to win the last two games to get to 4-4. Four and four. So yeah. that's life in the NFL. Steven on Twitter says the Browns have the second easiest schedule in the league in the second half of the season. Well, that makes sense. I mean, how else would you explain them having – Twice as good of odds to get in the playoffs than the Titans. That would explain it. All right, we'll come back. Chris Mason to kick off the fourth and final hour. That's next.